All right, I I hereby call this this podcast to order. Uh, <laughs> we're meeting on the occasion of the world is in a weird state, uh, specifically uh, maybe on the social media front, as important as that can be in our lives. Hi, everybody. It's me, Mark, uh, or Bicycle Mark, as I'm still known in some corners. And I am connected via, I think, cables uh, to a city not too far away from my current home in Harlem. I'm connected to Leiden because I'm talking to Janelle Ward. Hi, Janelle. Hi, Mark. Bicycle Mark. Yeah. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, for some people, you know. And uh, yeah. And you and I, Janelle, we go way back. I mean, mm-hmm. some people know that, but uh, for the for the new people and uh, people just uh, hearing us for the first time or hearing you talking to me, we go way back in the online publishing world, I would say, also as students together in this country. Uh, but certainly in online publishing, you and I were blogging in the early 2000s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just enjoying the sort of freedom, I would dare say. Yeah. To, uh, I'd say I'd say you were my inspiration because you you were the the first one really. Yeah. When did you start? What year were you? I was writing a blog, an early blog system around two thousand two thousand one. Okay. Uh, it was before Blogger. Mm. I had my own web page because in the nineties that's what I did for um, mostly for bands. Like I had a band, my friends had a band, so I would make their website on like GeoCities. And then <laughs> I wanted to be a journalist, so I started writing opinion articles, basically, and putting them on the page uh, or on a page with the idea that I was going to travel and be out of the US and I wanted to talk about what was happening outside the US. Mm-hmm. I think you and I have something there also in common, like mm-hmm. our, our interest in the world that probably led us to leaving to leave the US and settle somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I started my blog way back in the day, Blonde But Bright. I think it was uh, 2004. And that was on Blogger. Yeah. You know, also weird, Blogger, Evan Williams, I think is one of the founders, if not the founder, also a co-founder of Twitter. Um, Oh, yeah. That is never talked about, I guess, because he got out. I never understand when people get in and get out. Some of them don't make a lot of noise when they do. (laughs) And I think he was one of those people. I don't know that much about him, except back then, uh, you know, he would send you these newsletters about how it's going with Blogger and that Blogger is being bought by Google. I think that happened. Um, And uh, and so with Twitter, it was also like, oh, okay, I remember this guy from... Mm -hmm. uh, the tool that I enjoyed using already, mm-hmm. and maybe this tool is going to be just as useful and friendly. Um, yeah. uh, arguably, it's it's been useful, friendly, <laughs> ups and downs. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so there's you as a as a publisher, as a writer, uh, back then writing online. Uh, but there's also mm-hmm. you as a publisher or a writer uh, outside of the blogging world as well. Uh, right. That's that's you've been doing that for are we at a decade at this point? <laughs> yeah. What what which which publishing and writing are you referring to exactly? So 
I well, I always remember uh, your passion for not only writing but taking writing classes, and mm. I didn't have that many friends that were doing that. You were uh, uh, everything that you sort of brought home and talked about was like, oh yeah, hmm. oh, if I would do some writing classes, I might actually <laughs> learn what Janelle is learning and know what Janelle is, is knowing. But so yeah, I mean more your publishing for be it magazines or uh, literary. Uh, yeah, literary magazines. Um, and eventually on the subject of UX as well, uh, the last few years. So, you know, you've been publishing for different kinds of audiences mm. for quite some time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Always writing in some form. I mean, in the early days, it was kind of like what you were doing, you know, exploring my experience being an American abroad and what that felt like, especially in the early 2000s. Um, and yeah, that was really personal writing. And it, it was a really, I look back on it really fondly. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've had the academic career. So I've done academic publishing, which is really much more formal and not really online, let's say, because uh, it has to go through all this peer review. And it's like, you want to have that journal name behind your writing. So you mm -hmm. don't want to put it online first and then ruin your you know, official brilliance no, in the academic that's... journal. Um, and yeah, I think it was, yeah, around you know, more than a decade ago, I got really into kind of improving my fiction writing and taking the classes and stuff. So I've, I've done some publishing there, short stories, you know, more creative work. And yeah, then in the last uh, couple of years, I've been writing about my field yeah. because it was a way of also kind of exploring the career transition from academia into yeah a more corporate environment and and yeah and and that's that's still online so yeah it's really been a part of my life for a long time almost as long as you've been doing it haha <laughs> as a as a sort of hobby here and there yeah yeah <laughs> i always thought that i wasn't a better than average writer i don't know it felt like it you know when i would write i was like oh i really feel comfy and and powerful and then as the years went on, like a lot of things with the internet, I started to doubt my uniqueness or value. <laughs> it's a reoccurring theme in my life because just, you know, everyone is publishing. So I started to, yeah, just think, oh, uh, I have nothing new to say. And, and this is sort of a half-assed segue into social media because that's <laughs> the crisis we, we want to discuss today. Um, I saw something somewhere that like, Mark, you joined Twitter in 2007. Happy, I don't know, Twitter birthday at some point. Um, do you even remember like what your first social media thing was? And and actually which it was because it didn't have to be Twitter. I do remember because it was also inspired by you. Yikes. And it was it was MySpace. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you were really popular on MySpace That's and fun. You were so social and meeting strangers, and I <laughs> joined, and I just couldn't get into it. I mean, I think I'm more introverted than you are, and it just, yeah, it was tough for me. Like, all these people I don't know, and I have nothing in common with, and now I have to sort of prove my value to them. And I found myself withdrawing yeah. from that environment. But what came from that then was Facebook, and Facebook I joined in 2007, and I remember just thinking, this is so brilliant because they've cracked it because the internet shouldn't be about connecting to people you don't know. <laughs> it should be about connecting to people you already do know. 
right? And then it was a different ballgame for me. And I loved Facebook in the beginning. Because of that, it was like all these ghosts from my past popping up and I get to see what they're up to and it, people I know, right? I have a connection yeah. with yeah. offline. And that for me was much better, let's say, than than MySpace. Yeah. Well, it's also funny how, you know, these tools, whatever it is, in this case, social media, but like tech tools, online uh, options, in the beginning, you use them a certain way as time goes on, that can change. And what I'm getting at is like, I didn't even remember, but the minute you say it, it comes back that I actually would make friends with strangers. Uh, I remember AOL, going back to our American uh, sort of roots, um, I would just search in a 1997-96 search box on AOL, my last name. And if anyone had my last name, I would write to them. <laughs> and if you think that's cute, I was a kid. I was like 17. I mean, yeah. is it cute or is it creepy? But back then, it was like, <laughs> it was just exploring. And although there were creeps for sure, um, there was also a lot of goodwill. And I actually made friends I would say most of them didn't last, but, but, uh, you know, they lasted a good 10 years and you sort of fade away, especially many of those friends you never meet in person. So you stay kind of online friends and maybe that works, maybe that doesn't. I still, the blogging world, I think lasted more because you read each other's writing. And I don't know, that has a deeper impact because I still, I write paper postcards to people who I used to read their blogs and we've been writing each other for for years. I actually have to send a lot of them these days because I'm trying to make sure they know my new address, which no longer says <laughs> Amsterdam. Um, so yeah, those connections actually lasted. But back then, yeah, you would, I guess, yeah, it was easier to say to a stranger, hello, I'm Mark. And here's, I don't know, here's who I am. And here's maybe why we would talk further. And it's so different now. Uh, like you said, <laughs> rather reconnect with people you've known. Yeah. And I think even whether it's strangers or people that you've known in the beginning, it was this magic. It was like incredible, right? Like I can connect to people, you know, there's this possibility for connection that wasn't there before. And it was just so, it was just wonderful. And it felt so, you know, like I said, magical in a way. <laughs> and I think now we're all just so maybe used to it and, you know, it's it's kind of like when you're in a in a meeting or a discussion and there's this one really obnoxious, loud voice in the room and it kind of ruins the mood for everyone. And I think there's been so much negativity that we've all kind of shut down. We're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to deal with this 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 person anymore. So it's just it's changed. And I think that's you know, but I, I wonder, you know, I mean, I have a, a 12 year old who's bothering me now to join various social media platforms just as I'm withdrawing from all of them. Ah, yes. And I wonder, is it is it magical for him still the way it was for me? Or was it really because this was all new and not possible before that we really experienced this, yeah. you know, feeling of connection that I don't feel is there really anymore in the same way? Well, and there's too many... I mean, the one thing that has happened is that the world is here now or there, <laughs> social media-wise. So one potentially key element in the beginning 
uh, was that not everybody was on. That includes governments, that includes mm-hmm. companies, yeah. uh, and any kind of other fraud or, or in disingenuous purposes. Um, it was much more of a smaller audience, which, yeah, you didn't have to be so on alert uh, for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, they're just trying to sell you something. Now, yeah. every social media tool, I mean, even when you scroll, I was just thinking, I read an article, and this is where we eventually are going here, about Twitter and um, about its commercial viability. And and so I have, I have not been paying attention to how Twitter makes its money and how much money it makes, really, uh, though I'm there, right? I'm on it. Um, and I f- at first I thought, I've never even seen uh, uh, a Twitter ad. And then I thought, oh, wait, yeah, I have. I scroll past them. <laughs> and I've not only that, but you get those like tweets from people who you're not following, but Twitter is pushing on you. I also scroll past that. I don't even remember that. So we oh. become, it's like not seeing commercials between television shows back in the day. Mm-hmm. They were there. We could probably sing the jingle, mm-hmm. but uh, we're, it doesn't, we become desensitized to it, hopefully. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, we tune it out, and it's it's also. I was talking to my partner about this the other night. How they just appear in your feed, and you're confused because you're in a mindset of these are people I'm catching up with, and then you suddenly see this ad, and you're confused because it looks like it could be a friend, mm. and then you realize I don't actually know this person at all, yeah. and then you become yeah. It's it's like yeah, a stranger is sort of barged into your conversation and. It, it 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 makes me kind of angry. It's like I don't want to see this. Yeah. This isn't why I'm here. But of course, you know, that's the nature of a free platform. Like how are they gonna make money otherwise? Yeah. And and interestingly, like some things in our lives already existed before we did, like before we uh were born and then but this this was invented. This was decided, someone made this decision that this is how they're gonna deliver content to you that you didn't necessarily ask for. And for some people, and that's where the 12-year-old in your life becomes interesting also, um, this already existed. This is just the way, uh, to, to quote the Mandalorian, this is the way. Um, uh, y- so the strangest thing is, for us, we didn't grow up with this. We've seen it become a tradition uh, or attempt to be pushed on us as a tradition. And then there are kids that are just going like, yeah, isn't this normal? Isn't that mm-hmm. what social media is? A place where, yeah, you have some people you know and some people you don't know, but you follow. And then, oh, yeah. And then a bunch of ads for stuff. No big deal. Maybe. Or I can skip it. So, and even as a parent, right? Have you taught him to skip things or the difference? Or do they just kind of learn? <laughs> I-, I just remember back when you could skip ads on YouTube, mm-hmm when he was just little and we would turn on something he wanted to watch and the ad would come on and he was, you know, two or three and he would say, skip ad, skip ad, because I probably so, would say that too, it. as I did it. Yeah. <laughs> this is another role yeah. for a parent, I think. Like, <laughs> And now we have to watch them. Sure. So, yeah. Unless you pay, right? Yeah. But it's like, okay, I'm not saying it's a survival thing, right? There's like, look both ways or in the Netherlands, look like six ways before you cross the street, essential for survival. And hopefully a parent is, hopefully there's a parent that can guide you through that. But there's also like, yeah, skip ad or scroll past, or that's not real, or don't answer that email. (laughs) Um, If kids dare to use email. 
Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's this whole other skill set that isn't isn't life and death, but it is healthy living, or at least some form of healthy living online that has to be. Learned. Yeah, and I think it's also. I mean, I think even bigger than the ads because they kind of identify themselves as ads, right? He watches one um, yeah. YouTube channel where the guy actually embeds his ads in his content and he does it in such a creative way. It's actually fun to watch, yeah. but you still know it's an ad. You understand what's happening. Yeah. But I think the the more important thing um, also for adults, but especially for kids is kind of, I don't know what they're calling it these days. <laughs> it was, it used to be called digital literacy. Right. I think there's, I, I read about meta literacy the other day, yeah. but uh, <laughs> just the idea of who is this coming from and can we believe it? And, you know, I mean, we've been talking about negativity and, um, you know, commercialization, but then we can also talk about the whole, you know, is this person giving us reliable information? What is their perspective? And, you know, can we figure that out? Are we taking this as fact? Yeah. And how do we know this person is, you know, sharing facts with us Yeah. or sharing opinions in the form of facts? And that's something we talk about a lot. Yeah. And I think it's also important for us, right? I mean, I'm sure you do it too. You, you're you curious about something, you look it up, and then you say, oh, yeah, and you share the answer, but then you think, wait a minute, where did I read this? <laughs> you know, who is, right. who's, who's giving me this information? So it's just, just uh, yeah, you have to be a really critical consumer, I think. Yeah, it's not the encyclopedia set that you had in your house as a kid. Yeah, you kind of yeah. Go, well, Britannica said it, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and maybe that was problematic too, of course, but it just seemed a little simpler than it is now. True. Yes, it was this Britannica. <laughs> they came to my door. They must know something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you with social media, uh, love, no, not love. I was going to say love-hate relationship, but you have your ups and downs over the years, I'm sure. But where I'm jumping to is, um, and I didn't ask you much about this at the time, so podcast is a fun place for it. You um, you declared a, uh, that you're going off of social media. Uh, what was the, the straw that broke your digital camel's I, back. I declared. Yeah, yeah. I, made a <laughs> I actually never declared. I, I've silently disappeared. I've maybe declared to people in person who've asked. And well, so, um, so I started my own, well, I'm a solopreneur. I don't want to say company because I have no plans to hire anyone else. I'm enough to handle myself. Um, and I realized, well, first of all, I love that I'm not spending seven hours a day in meetings. Um, but then I realized that, wow, I've completely fried my ability to do anything focused mm -hmm. because everything in my life has become this scattered, you know, response. Like I can't focus anymore. Yeah. And so at the time I read this book um, called Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is a bit problematic and that what he suggests really works best for people without children or, you know, men who's you know, partners are taking care of the children full time so they can focus. <laughs> but I'm getting to the point where I can do this at some points because my kid is older. It's very difficult with young children that you're responsible for. Um, but yeah, he talked about, you know, you have to really retrain your brain. And social media is, you know, not only it's just this constant scrolling and constant, you know, new information, but it also serves as this 
distraction from what you're working on. And I found I was in the moment I would become stuck with what I was working on, I would open a tab and suddenly Facebook would be open. And it's almost like I wouldn't know that I had done it, but there it was. And so I started to realize, okay, this isn't, uh, this isn't good for me. I want to do, I don't want to end the day feeling frustrated that what did I actually do today? I was busy all day, but what did I do? I really need to, you know, change this. So I did a holiday this summer um, for two weeks and I completely, I deleted, you know, I'm using Facebook and Instagram. I have never really been a big Twitter user, but I deleted them all from my phone. I even stopped using LinkedIn, which is (laughs) kind of my bread and butter these days, but no social media. I only looked at um, my personal email, like once every few days. And I talked to my kid, you know, that was it. Um, yeah. And then I got back and I've never gone back actually. And actually news sites were also part of that because although that's not social media, Mm -hmm. that was also a big problem for me was getting distracted by every terrible thing that happened in the world. And then going on a deep dive down this terrible tunnel of misery and that doesn't help anyone. Right. right? right. So, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at is I've tried to cut that out and now i've actually deactivated um facebook instagram and twitter in the last couple weeks and you know what no one has actually come you know approached me and said where did you go which is both sad and relieving yeah um a couple avenues i want to go here but one is to acknowledge (laughs) also the um, you know the conventional wisdom currently for especially as a solopreneur is you need to have your network and uh, and work it, <laughs> work that network and, and uh, find more opportunities where you can uh, not only write, but earn uh, from it. Uh, mm, your thought process about that and the, uh, the risk. Yeah, well, I'm still on LinkedIn. So <laughs> the, the good news is I've cut a lot out. The bad news is LinkedIn has sort of become the place I go for this distraction. Mm-hmm. I can provide it. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately that's a, yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that, but at least we're down to one. So yeah, ag- agreed. I mean, I feel like I need it for now. I, I need, that's where I'm having my, my conversations, especially since I'm on my own. So if I want to talk to people in my field, it's either on LinkedIn or it's, you know, connecting with them and having conversations that I have to set up. It's not an environment where I'm going to an office every day and I see people. Um, I have to, you know, sort of set up every every interaction. So I do think it's important. But I will say um, I had a, a business coach for a couple months when I first started. And I mean, I first heard it from her, but I hear it again and again. You know, the the business coaches say for solopreneurs, you need to start your own mailing list. You need to collect the email addresses of the people who want to follow your work because social media could go at any time. Uh And I think Twitter has really taught us that like you can't rely on a social media platform for your business and that's it. You need to create your own list and you need to provide your own content that you sort of have control over the distribution. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Because it can change at any time. I mean, you can make someone angry on LinkedIn and they report you. And then, you know, I've heard people who say, oh, I was blocked for a week. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, so, so yeah, so there's that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I think the the concept of what I want to do, you know, how I want to work now wouldn't have been possible before unless I lived in a place where I had a lot of professional connections and I could get work on a sort of local level. But now my network is potentially global and that's only made possible by being sort of present in the, in the internet space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that that does make me think a lot about, especially what's been happening lately, right? Like you said, with the idea that you you think these tools they're essential for you, or we're told that they're essential, and then for whatever reason, either they shut down or they shut you down, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, are they essential? Were they essential? And and what are you going to do about it? Um, okay, so managing your own network, I definitely see a lot of that. It reminds me also, we've seen this in different waves. I remember very clearly the example of, um, you know, I have this friend, John, who does America blog, and he made his, what's the expression? Made his hay in the days of like, uh, especially the first Obama election as a political blogger. Um, Mm. always identified as from the left, although uh, by our standards, uh, he's center. (laughs) But that's not important. What am I getting at? Um, At the same time as his blog was extremely well visited and read and comments and people donating also directly, some ads, you know, the whole formula, right? Like combination of traffic and uh, readers that are dedicated. Um, When Facebook rose and as it rose and increasingly first had the options to share your content and then started to tweak them uh, so that yes, you could share it, but it had to be X and Y under their, you know, on their terms. He always would mention that um, their changes were hurting him um, mm. and he was struggling to adjust. And many businesses and, and publishers of different kinds, I guess, changed how they function, tried to understand Facebook's new terms because they had to be there. It's like the whole evolution of commenting, right? Remember when we all had comments on our websites, a lot of systems still have that option, but no one comments anymore. And if they do comment, it's on a consumer website where you can complain about a product um, or (laughs) on Facebook, essentially, maybe Twitter. Um, So it's, it's that constant having to adjust to the, the behavior, no, the decisions of a, what is essentially a corporation that has its own whims and, and, and ideas. Now I'm thinking again of Twitter, right? A, a corporation, Facebook also a corporation. But we as people, my, my sort of next uh, thing I want to talk about here is we treat these places or we have treated these places like they're public forums, uh, like they're a utility owned by us, the users. Every now and then you even get used to get these moments on Facebook where people would rise up digitally and complain about the privacy terms that are unfair or or somehow wrong and then facebook seemingly would apologize and retract them but then implement them five minutes later um it's this we live in this funny world the libraries i think also struggle i went to our local one recently there were people there i was like wow because i i was thinking like how many people just go to whatever online space we have a few in this country and that's their library right they get the book they buy it they get shipped to the house um these private places we start to treat them like our public forums even though they don't function that way deep down or even overtly weird (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know and you've seen it happening right like yeah 
it's been happening since we were kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in, and in some sense, maybe that's okay because society seems to go on. But now we see the cracks, right? Also when, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're more of an expert than me, but the sort of, you know, the origins of, you know, the, the world wide web and what was sort of envisioned is not, you know, kind of how it's turned out. And I was just, you know, talking to my kid about this this morning. It's like the way this looks, I mean, on a micro level and a macro level, like this is it, like we've created it in this direction. And then like we're stuck with this. Isn't there another way to do this? Web two. <laughs> and I mean, it, it just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you're right. Like it's not a public forum. It's not a, a democratic place where people can get together and discuss things or it's not open, you know, for all in, in that, in the same way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of that, that whole debate again, like do like has tech, has technology shaped us or have we shaped technology? Is this just how we are? Yeah. And, and that's, that's how it's gone. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I, I just find myself really dissatisfied, right? <laughs> I decided also probably around the same time, like, you know what? I'm not accepting cookies anymore. <laughs> I'm always rejecting cookies. Do you know what a pain in the ass I have of, made it now buttons, to it? get on any site? It's like, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's a huge nightmare to try to get past their yeah. like cookie you know, and it's like, why, you know, okay, I know that's there to protect us, right? It's so we have a choice. But why, why does a website need to collect all this information yeah. at all? Yeah. Right? Why? Why? Yeah. You know, and this is the world we live in. I mean, good luck uh, turning that back. Right. I mean, this is how companies work, too. They're yep. kind of data obsessed. Yep. They want as much data as they can have about their users, because they think that that data alone can, you know, provide them the insight they need to be successful. I think it's part of the picture, maybe, yeah. but not the whole picture. But th- I'm just saying this is how how it works now. And we have become, you know, earlier I said, well, it's free. Well, it's not free, of course, because right. they're comes at a cost. <laughs> selling our data. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, why, did, why does it have to be that way? Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a naive question, but I just think like, I don't feel sort of happy and content with that part of the world and that part of my life, which is why I think I'm trying to sort of um, eradicate it from my life. But at the same time, am I just isolating myself in the long run? Is this just how you have to function as a human? Yeah, it's hard not to. Hmm. I used to like training human rights activists how to, you know, do how to be activists for human rights in places where the police are suspicious. The government hates you. If not hates you, never mind that. They, they've actively harm you. And it was this whole idea like, okay, uh, let's take some of your regular apps that everybody uses. WhatsApp. Okay. Uh, it's a Facebook product now. And although it's encrypted, the, that encryption, we don't know. We don't get to know how it works. Facebook knows. And they don't, they don't share that with us, but they might share it with a government if the government insists or even asks nicely. So it was like, all right, well, solution, take what, delete WhatsApp. But then the the issue came, well, yeah, but if a cop stops you and looks at your phone or asks to look at your phone and you don't have WhatsApp, you are now suspicious. <laughs> All right. So our advice was, I'm giving away some state secrets here. Wow. Our advice was you got to have a WhatsApp that is just to look like 
you are an average citizen, so you can keep your mom on there, you can keep uh, some friend from school, as long as you don't discuss anything related to your activism. So have a front that is your WhatsApp life that, yeah, if they look, they'll see what they, you know, sort of expect to see from non-activists. But yeah, so this whole... That's so interesting. The appearance of what is considered now normalcy, because if you don't participate, you're suspicious. Janelle. Yeah. <laughs> Are you outing me here on the, the podcast? I don't know. I just want to point out your non-participation. The rest of us... It's true, though. It's true. It's, it's strange, right? It's kind of like when you go into a... a you know, into a bar to meet your friends and you order like a, a Coke oh. and they're like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking? Right. <laughs> Why are you breaking the social norm that's so important to us? We all drink. Yeah. We all have Facebook and WhatsApp accounts, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. We're, it, it didn't take an authority in the form of government or company. It's actually just our friends and peers and whatever else that push us into mm -hmm. these situations mm -hmm. um very odd and that's yeah that's when you've made it as successful as a company right <laughs> when you don't have to even advertise your product the the you know friends and family just pressure you to be on it i mean i also would have deleted whatsapp um as an a long time ago <laughs> but i have people who are like adamant refuse refusing yep. to get off of it so yep. if i if i insist we'll be sending texts the old-fashioned way yeah yeah. And so we, we come to this situation, like we, we're watching, you and I occasionally message about the sort of, I guess it's an implosion of Twitter, certainly of how Twitter has been managed. Um, I mean, we have this figure, uh, Elon Musk, who um, now owns Twitter. It was so weird to watch that slowly happening, like, like just like a fire starting that you know is going to burn a lot of things, but you're just watching the initial flame going... That's probably going to blow out, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of like the the tech version of you know Trump becoming president. Watch it's it. like this is never going to happen. <laughs> it's, like, really, this can't happen. This is crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it's similar, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels it doesn't feel as traumatic as that did, but still, it's it's a trauma. A and bit. it's another powerful man who has whims that are yeah. at best unstable. <laughs> They're just you don't know what mood he's going to be in or what his latest sort of pet project is but it usually involves his ego and and shaking things up in in crazy ways and um so yeah so i noticed of course the talk about you know delete your your twitter and uh and i said to you like i'm too lazy to actually delete my twitter <laughs> but i also feel like i've seen so many storms over the years and many of them were justified you know even trump making use of twitter as a tool before mm -hmm. Uh, January 6th, um, just as a tool for hate, it, that was reason enough probably to say, let's get off of this crazy mm -hmm. tool. Like, just don't use it. You know, the power of no. boycott. And so, yeah, there's this is definitely a moment where many people are saying, I'm doing it. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we see the migration to like other tools and, or maybe none at all. Um, and will it be the And same? that's the, I, yeah, that's how we started this conversation, right? It was like, but are we all just going to a different platform? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it feels. Like in the beginning, it was exciting, right? I mean, I remember it was like, yeah. you know, Facebook and Twitter were around the same time and it was it was exciting. And then Instagram came along and I was really excited to join Instagram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, I had a TikTok account, but I sure. never was public or anything. I was just a, a lurker, right? Yeah. 
But so that that didn't feel the same. But this this latest moment, it's like I felt sort of despairing. Like, why don't we discuss like another way to be? Why do we just have to discuss which platform we should all migrate to and do same the same thing. exact thing again? Yeah. That's how it feels to me now. And I don't know if it's because I've been in the game so long, but I don't want to join another platform. Mm -hmm. And I felt the pressure like, oh, you should, because if you're one of the first, you could grow this huge following because yeah. you were there and this is your moment. Is your moment. And I thought, yeah. no, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the alternative is, though. I'm not visionary enough to come up with that, but just something that you know, would feel different than this. And it just feels like if we just go without having a critical conversation about what we're doing or how we want it to look, it will just be the same. The same the and same it will, years. you know, it will be eventually, you know, powerful, horrible leadership and yeah. <laughs> eventually the same outcome. I mean, yeah. you know, like, yeah, what can we do differently? And I don't know the answer to that, but that's just how I'm feeling. Yeah. It's it's interesting to have seen and lived through <laughs> lived through the great collapse of watch this name Friendster. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh wow! There are about a, a yeah. few thousand people who know and were there, um, <laughs> and 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 MySpace for sure. These mm -hmm. were social networks that for a hot minute or a pair of years <laughs> were really important to us. Um, although you know the average person wasn't using them. Although I think MySpace really got there in terms of mass audience. And we actually were active when they were just shutting down or, or everyone was moving away because MySpace didn't really shut down. It just got bought and sold many times. And, you know, you, you look at a tool like a Facebook, maybe like a Twitter, but certainly like a Facebook, and you think there will never be anything else or bigger like it's too important. It's, it's too, it's got its tentacles and everything, which could be true. But then again, we've seen things that were big and were important and then they, they go away or people go away. Uh, you know, you make some big decision. I mean, we do live in the era of the power of, you know, it's sometimes called cancel culture. Fine. Just the idea that you're celebrated or valued until your actions, uh, offend and, and downright, uh, alienate uh, people. So, you know, if actors and, and entertainers can offend and, and alienate people, then I suppose a platform can as well. Um, it's just harder because it's the tool, right? So it has that element of you're so used to using it and you're told that it's so essential. I mean, I guess that's different from like an actor who you liked or a director who you liked. Um, but still, I think we're seeing a little bit that that same reaction uh, and, and we know so much more now about, or we think we know, about CEOs, about management of a company and or a, <laughs> a tool. Um, so yeah, that's also makes this different maybe, but I think you're right. We, we, we do risk, you know, we move to Mastodon, but are we behaving the same way that we were on yeah. Twitter? We're going to use when you say we, does that mean you did it? Are people. you on it? Yeah, no, I, I, so yeah, I'm on Mastodon <laughs> because, um, the hacker community was talking about it years ago, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, because that was the push or the idea that we need to have decentralized uh, uh, sources or, or, or tools. So it's not all one company servers, the idea of owning your own server. Um, that also came with people who wanted to own their own mail server. 
which sort of Hillary Clinton made unpopular. Uh, but that was, you know, <laughs> that was a big concept. It was the idea that, you know, your email is on someone's computer somewhere in the world. Let it be in your closet and your house. Uh, you know, like, and I have plenty of friends of a certain age who have their own mail servers in the house. It's just a computer. Um, and it's connected, of course. And um, so, yeah, Mastodon was the idea anyway, because I don't know if it still works that way, that it would be sort of decentralized and non-commercial. Um, and I don't know anything about where it's at. Coincidentally, uh, on the media, the podcast did a whole half an hour on what is Mastodon like last week. So clearly you and I are on the cutting edge here of, of breaking news and hot information. Um, but, you know, I think your point is still a damn good one, which is if we repeat the same behaviors, if we look at these things as tools for being popular, for pushing a cons uh, pushing an idea on people, then will we really be so much better off? I don't know. I think we have some pretty toxic, not just behavior, we also have sort of these traditions that I don't think serve us very well in the long run. Um, but they're, and it's also like, the, you know, the, the way our economic system works, the pressure, this is what we've created, the world of influencers and, and growing your network, <laughs> which should be a nice thing. Uh, knowing people should be a nice thing, communicating with people, but it's the reasons that this is being done, yeah. I think. It, I guess it matters yeah. like why you do something, not just how you do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And that's what I struggle with too, with this whole solopreneur thing, because I, yeah, sure, it's nice to post something that people like, but it's like now this focus on, you know, how did these posts perform and, I should take my best post and, you know, write it longer because that's what, you know, the audience enjoyed it. And yeah, of course, I think that's a good way to write. But I think back in the day, and I know for you too, it was also personal and it was what was important to you. So you wrote as a motivation to talk about something that you thought was important. You didn't write because you knew people would like it. Right. That's right. And it's, it's just a sort of different, uh, a different way of looking at it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, what is really great, and I can say this also as a fiction writer, is when you write about something that is very important to you and meaningful to you, and then that also connects with other people. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a bit of, you know, an authenticity problem a lot of times where people kind of look at content that's, you know, designed to get their eyeballs on it, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel authentic for whatever reason. Yeah. And then they start to doubt, you know, everyone's posting. Yeah. I, I mean, LinkedIn has some pretty cringy stuff, yeah. you know, that, uh, that goes around sometimes. Sure. And you think, you know, are you posting this because this was really important to you? Or are you posting it to get likes? And yeah. if you're posting it to get likes, why is that bad? Yeah. Aren't we all doing that? Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, environment. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a super, um, I want to use the word arbitrary one. What I mean is, I remember, you know, when Google Analytics was kind of born and uh, the early stages, and you were there too, of how many people visited my website, how many people, and then they, they were able to tell you more, where are they from? And that's all interesting information. Obviously, it has certain value, but so much of this doesn't tell you the whole story about what someone is really understanding, why they're there. But regardless, this stuff became currency. 
Um, and I have the same thing with podcasts. How many people downloaded? What does download really mean to a human? Um, we don't know, but we decided this has a dollar value. Um, and it goes really far, you know, it becomes careers and, and investments and, and the difference between having a house and, and I don't know, a cardboard box as a, as a content creator. And I, I think that so many of these systems weren't fully thought out or even understood and they just ran with them you know, and, and just like, of course, and lives are built and destroyed on a really rinky dink, uh, structure, you know, data about, anyway, I mean, we keep claiming that it's getting better. So maybe I should respect that evolution. I uh, should know more about it, but I still, I know that a lot of this podcast, and we focus on that, um, analytics is really arbitrary. Um, but you know, when it looks good for you, then you put it up as the first thing you, you sell yourself based on that. And, um, I find that very uncomfortable. Uh, and, uh, and I wonder in what ways we actually do suffer because we build so much on top of this, like, you know, our foundation mm -hmm. is, is flimsy, mm -hmm. but we're building structures mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah. Numbers are powerful, I think, because they sort of give this illusion of certainty and yeah, it is uncertainty, but it, it people like to feel, yeah. you know, like they, they have a good idea of yeah what what is valuable or you know what what they should keep working on but i mean i think yeah it's like it's like the things in the world that we don't have necessarily control over are linked very much to our own behavior like how we choose to interact online and i think that there is a healthy way to be active on all this stuff i'm not even talking about you know critiquing the structure yeah. But there is a way to maintain, you know, a healthy balance and a healthy use. But I just haven't been able to find it. And I know I'm not alone there. But credit to you for trying. But some people maybe have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that there's even an important difference there between those who dare to try and those who just ride along, which is what I'm doing with Twitter right now. <laughs> you know, um, every now and then it's it would be good, I think, to stand up and try something different. So... No. kudos to you well do nothing that's what i'm doing differently <laughs> it's a political decision to do nothing i was always a defender we don't have to talk about this but um that even not voting is a statement if you can put in like a white like blanco you know uh, mm. vote or mm -hmm. nothing and i was like no you have to vote i was like no no i could put in a blank ballot because that's how i feel and that's i want that to be recorded but yeah mm -hmm. anyway that's a different matter <laughs> <laughs> I remember those discussions too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All the way back to like 2000, what would it have been? Sure. 2004. Yeah. I've been, I've been promoting <laughs> the handing in of empty ballots for years. Uh, anyway, you know, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We don't know what's going to happen, of course. Sometimes these podcast stories have a, a cool ending or a you know, conclusion. I think our conclusion is about, yeah, daring to have these moments of I'm going to change my behavior um, or, you know, yeah. those who also don't. But it does feel though, like something is, is shifting right, right now. And yeah, I mean, this isn't a, a neatly packaged sort of analysis of what that is, but I think, yeah, these are, I, I just see it. I see it on LinkedIn, my, <laughs> my pulse on humanity. <laughs> and I, 
it just it feels like something's shifting and and something is changing. Yeah. I mean, what if a giant like Twitter falls sort of based on the whims of one person? Well, yeah. maybe it would have fallen anyway, right, maybe um, without him. But who knows? Yeah. It just it, that feels big, yeah. because it's it's you know fifteen years of of my life, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and there is something so, uh, learned. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's it's a moment of of change, and we'll see if it is actually a change or it's just a sort of moment that everyone, you know, it's like when the music stops and everyone stops talking and then the music starts again, or, oh, yeah. you know, do we all go outside and swim in the canal? Instead? <laughs> right on. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the music stops and we all have to find a chair, but you, you said, no, we all go outside and swim in a canal. Oh, yeah. instead. That would also be a good metaphor for what's going on these yeah. days. Musical chairs. Yeah. yeah. I'll take swimming in a canal. That's the when warmer times are upon us. Let's do that. <laughs> I've got the this bar over yeah. here off to my right, so I'm just imagining us in there, and then we all leave and jump in. The it's canal, really conveniently so. located. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for this uh, podcast conversation to explore what is going on in our lives in on the online space, anyway. And uh, let's do it again. Let's talk about other uh, these big questions about life and. Uh, yeah, human behavior. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. You want to promote anything? Feel free. <laughs> Your LinkedIn. Um. Well, you can find um. Yeah, my my solopreneur website at JanelleWard.com nice. and read a little bit more about what I'm working on. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Just search for Janelle yeah. Ward again. Yeah. Nice. We haven't really talked about my work so much, but that's where I am online now. That's about mm. it. We'll do a show that's more about your work. <laughs> we'll come back to that. All yeah, right. we can do that later. All right. I'm pressing stop. Thanks, Janelle. All right. Thanks. Thanks.